Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The tennis world is holding court in Southern California for a fall edition of TC Live from Tennis Paradise. Coming up on today's show, only eight men and six women remain in the draws as we approach championship weekend in Indian Wells. Our experts preview today's important showdowns. Talented, complicated, and vulnerable are all words John Wertheim uses to describe this tennis champion in today's edition of Unstrung. Plus, battle lines are drawn and the debate is on over which tournament is the fifth slam. We're all about that quarterfinal vibe like Vika. TC Live starts right now. Welcome to TC Live from the BNP Paribas Open, presented all two weeks by our friends at Verbo. It's our one-hour pregame show to get you ready for first ball every morning here in the Southern California desert. Semifinal spots on the line for the men and the women today as players continue to push for the year-end finals. It is all happening in tennis paradise. A lot to get to on the show today. We've got all the big highlights, interviews, and Hall of Fame analysis, plus the DraftKings player pools preview and how Jim Courier and Mark Petchy want to change the game. You don't want to miss that. Hubie Hercotch out on the practice courts early today. He is back in the quarterfinals for the second time. Hasn't dropped a set all week. Getting ready to take on Grigor Dimitrov. And Sasha Zverev was under the lights. He beat Gael Monfils, making his first appearance in the final eight here, taking on Taylor Fritz in a quarterfinal tomorrow. As we welcome you inside Stadium One, our tennis channel desk, Steve Weissman back alongside Jeannie Bouchard and James Blake. We also have the Hall of Famer Andy Roddick with us. We are so proud to bring you first ball to last coverage of Indian Wells here throughout championship weekend on tennis channel for the very first time. And Andy, it looks like you have succumbed to the peer pressure of Bob Bryan. The beard is gone, my friend. I assure you that this had nothing to do with Bob Bryan's mouthiness. Um, yeah, it just, you know, the calendar comes up. You know, mom sends you a text that says you look a little, look a little haggard. So here we are. Okay, so listen to mom instead of Bob Bryan. That's a much better idea. Mom, moms uh, take a little more precedence. There. Mom knows best. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking fresh, Andy. We, we love to see it. Uh, the, the draws, they have been shaved down as well, shall we say, as we take a look. Oh, there it is. You got the side by side. Uh, a little. little uh, you look a lot younger today, I think. Look great either way. I, I, I wish I could grow side. a beard and, and have that on TV. Really? Yeah. You wanna, but no, that shaving is annoying, though, then. Shaving is so annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I feel a little so, excluded think, from this subject right now. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, so I think I think the good news is is that the show's going to get a lot better from here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Here's what we got for you today. It's a spectacular day in the desert. It begins with Diego Schwartzman and Cam Nori. Top of the hour, we've got Grigor Dimitrov coming up with that massive upset against Daniil Medvedev, taking on Hubie Hercotch, riding around in McLaren's this week. Angeberg going to make her debut in the top 10, but Annette Contivate has been balling out so far. And Angelique Kerber, future Hall of Famer. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame later in the show, taking on Paula Bedosa. But let's get in a little more on Cam Nori and Diego Schwartzman. The first match up today, Andy, and a lot on the line for these two. Diego has been to a Masters 1000 quarterfinal six times before. This is the first time for Nori, who with a win will make his top 20 debut. 
Yeah, I think lost in a lot of the storylines for, for 2021, uh, especially in his own country, being overshadowed by kind of the return of Mori and then also with Raducanu is Nori started this year at 71, and now we're talking about top 20, has been winning every week, 10th quarterfinal. He's made five finals already, 44 match wins on the year. And one of my favorite things about him is, I, I forget which match it was earlier this year, but they were talking about it, and it was going to be a physical match. He goes, listen, I know my legs will be there. I know they're there. That's one of the things I have the most confidence in. Instead of saying, it's going to be a tough battle, I'm not sure. I liked how he kind of planted his flag in the ground and said, you know what, I'm, I am tough. He is absolutely tough. I spoke to his uh, college coach, Devin Bowen, and he, he's told me two players in his entire life that he's been really high on from the start that he's seen and worked with, and they were Roberto Bautista Agut and Cam Nori. And he said these two really speak to me in terms of their sort of warrior mentality, just like Andy was saying. Is Cam Nori is out there. He's ready to play. He's physical, and he, he backs himself, and, and I love seeing that as well. This matchup will be an interesting one. Last time they played, uh, Cam Nori came back from two sets to love down and won, showing that he does have that that mentality. I think Schwartzman's looking for a little revenge this time today. Yeah, Jeannie, how about Diego Schwartzman? This is the guy who's got more experience. I mean, he's been higher ranked, still has an opportunity to make the year-end finals as well. Yes, uh, Schwartzman, I think, hasn't had the year he's wanted, but he's making up for it at this tournament. Obviously, a well-known clay court player. He's from Argentina. These courts gritty, playing a little more like clay than your typical hard court. So, um, on paper, you would think he's the one to win. But Nori, you know, going back to what Andy said, maybe the fact that the spotlight is not on him as much has allowed him to kind of quietly sneak through the year and win a lot of matches. With that pressure, sometimes it's hard to handle. So he's just been kind of doing his own thing a little bit under the radar. Yeah, low-key. Uh, listen, he's got as many match wins this year as the world number one, Novak Djokovic. Let's get to the action from yesterday. It was a massive upset. Had the entire grounds shaking. Grigor Dimitrov, comeback of the tournament against Daniil Medvedev. Russian came in on a roll, James. Had only dropped one set in his last 10 matches. It looked like more of the same at this point. Yeah, and this is what we had thought. We sat up here yesterday talking about we think Medvedev's going to continue rolling. He's going to go through this. Dimitrov doesn't have the weapons to, to really affect Medvedev too much. And Dimitrov changed our minds, and this is why we go out and we play the matches. Dimitrov changed tactics at around that point, that 4-1. Started using that backhand slice a little more. Got a few uncharacteristic errors out of Medvedev. But you can you can understand that. He's had such a great run. You know, at some point, there's going to be a little bit of a breakdown, and it just happened all at once here. And Dimitrov was able to... To, to use his um, his backhand, the backhand slice, and then get himself some offensive uh, opportunities after that, ripping some forehands and actually being able to hit through Daniil Medvedev, which seemed impossible earlier on in this event. 25 winners in this match for Dimitrov. Had it going off both wings. First time Grigor Dimitrov has beaten a top two opponent in five years and just the third time in his life. For Daniil Medvedev, first loss in nearly two months as we go inside the press room with the Russian. I don't see an end of the world uh, in this match. Uh, for sure, if it would be a Grand Slam and if it would go this way, um, it would be tougher to, to digest. Um, but, yeah, there are so many uh, things to consider in tennis and I don't think it would happen in Grand Slam. Rigor, um, going to be straightforward if he plays like this, like he played starting from 4-1. He's going to win the tournament, but let's see the final result of the tournament. We will see. Uh, Jeannie, after the match, Grigor told me this race is one of the biggest comebacks he's ever had in his career. What impressed you the most about it? I would have to agree with that, Steve. I think Dimitrov just changed this match around. Also, of course, Medvedev did seem to hit a wall physically and mentally. Uh, understandable from his U.S. Open run, and we were kind of waiting for that to happen, and it hadn't happened yet. But uh, talk about momentum shifts. I mean, Dimitrov was out there outlasting Medvedev, which is not the storyline we expected at all. Medvedev is the wall. He's the one who will grind you out. And Dimitrov had that as well as his weapons to take this match. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. I, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever seen, you know, two or three months of momentum stop like immediately, right? Maybe there's a gradual thing. This guy's starting to get tired. 
you know, this, this, that, and the other. It was just kind of over at 4-1. It was strange. But uh, credit to Dimitrov. James had mentioned earlier him going to that slice backhand. Uh, one that did two things. Making Medvedev hit up to you means it's tough for him to dictate and create pace from there. He hits the ball pretty flat. Uh, flat hitters don't really like attacking from lower positions. But also what it did for Dimitrov, it opened up a different way to to uh, kind of be aggressive, right? We talk about the, the lateral movement of uh, – of Medvedev and how hard it is to create space there. Well, he created space almost with the up and back play, right? He would chip, chip, chip. Medvedev would be inside the court, and then he would kind of go big. There wasn't anything in between. He was either playing cat and mouse or kind of coming out of his shoes. It was a great mid-match adjustment, and credit for him for just not going away. Yeah, that's a, that's a ton of substance. We forgot about the style. Grigor Dimitrov, always stylish on the court, and he had one of the best um, winners, tweeners that we've ever seen. We didn't have it in the highlight. We wanted to give it to you as a bonus coverage, a bonus <laughs> highlight here. Uh, with the, the tweener against Daniil Medvedev, Shown playing a, it's a little, unique uh, tweener as well. Yeah, the the front Forwards facing tweener. tweener. <laughs> yeah, you don't see those too often, but uh, even Medvedev's got to give him the thumbs up. Incredibly impressive. Grigor Dimitrov is one heck of an athlete, and he shows it there with the improvisational skills. Listen, this is a guy who Medvedev said he has never been broken three straight times on a hard court. I mean, for that to happen is so impressive. And for Grigor Dimitrov, who is a former world number three, Andy, to get this win, he told me after, this meant more than tennis. I mean, to be able to stay in this and keep believing this part of the season after everything he's been through. Yeah, I mean, he's had some ebbs and flows, and I don't think he got to actually uh, a 500 record on the year until last week. So uh, similar to his U.S. Open run a couple years ago where he was, you know, 70-some-odd going in and, and, and made the semis, kind of feels like that all over again. He feels like it's a confidence player. Uh, you know, he needs to kind of – he's had trouble in the past really committing to a game plan because he has so many options. And to get through this match yesterday, he really had to commit to playing a game that maybe was a little uncomfortable. And he had to pay the bill physically. Even though he was up 3-0 in the third, I was actually texting with Jim Courier during the match. I said, he is gassed. And for him to kind of see it through to the end, even though he had lost his legs, was a big, big mental effort for, for Grigor. Uh, impressive all around. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it would be really easy to fade away against the current best player in the world for the last little bit. Down a set in two breaks, looking for the exit door. He didn't do that. Real, real tough. All right, two Americans in action yesterday as well. We start with Taylor Fritz facing Yannick Sinner for the very first time, Andy. Went down a break early. Yeah, and Taylor's been breaking serve a lot, right? Normally not known for his returns, but you see here, comfortable but aggressive at the same time. And when he has two feet under him, he's one of the guys that can hit through this court, comfortable here in Southern California, but also closing out sets with clutch shots like this on defense, which he's also not really known for. I've been really impressed with him when he gets momentum. He's kind of putting the foot down. He's uh, had some trouble serving out matches in the past, but really going through, and he's closing this week. You know, we've kind of known what Taylor is to this point, maybe between 20 and 30 in the world. Matches like this where you're beating Berrettini, where you're beating Sinner on big stages, this could be, you know, the, the, the jump start he needs for a march towards the top 10. I hope we see it. The 90-point jinx is over for Taylor Fritz. First Masters 1000 quarterfinal hasn't dropped a set. Also, two Americans on the women's side, Jeannie. Jesse Pagula having a personal bachelorette party all week before getting married in eight days. But Victoria Azarenka would speak up and not forever hold her peace. <laughs> Steve, you come up with great lines every day. Uh, yes, yeah, so we saw Azarenka looking like the champion we know she is. She's a two-time slam champion, of course, and she's been kind of quietly making her way through this draw. We haven't spoken about her that much, but she was so steady last night, finishing points well at the net. We know she's great in doubles as well. Pagula has a little flatter shot, and that caused more unforced errors for her. But Azarenka um, getting that depth and that pace and fighting every single point and game. Even in the beginning of the second set, they had a bunch of close points and close games, and Azarenka was not giving anything. Thing, and that's what we're used to seeing from her. The only former champion remaining in the draw. Two-time winner, Victoria Azarenka, as Pagula goes off to the wedding in North Carolina. Shelby Rogers playing on her birthday last night. Uh, Yelena Ostapenko would ruin the party, Jeannie. So we talked about this yesterday, Steve, how it can be tough to play on your birthday. For me personally, as a player, I would put more pressure on myself. And the crowd was for Shelby, but that just wasn't enough. 
Ostapenko actually went down 3-1 in the third set. Love 40 on her serve. And in press said that she felt like she was rushing and making too many unforced errors and then was able to kind of tighten things up and, and win five games in a row after that. So that's kind of a heartbreaker hey, for Shelby. But um, now we have two slam champions in a semifinal. Yeah, that should be exciting to watch. 51 winners in this match for Ostapenko. When she's hitting the ball like that, it is tough to beat. We saw her do that in the Roland Garros final four years ago. So Ostapenko moving on said most of the players very tired. I am feeling very fresh. Let's look at some other players moving ahead safely presented by progressive Nicholas Basilashvili getting a straight set win over Corinne Hatchinoff. Cam Nori coming through taking out Tommy Paul, Yubi Hercotch, Diego Schwartzman and Stefano Tsitsipas. What a match that was. We'll have the highlights later defeating Alex Dimonor in three sets. Still ahead on the show, I'll be joined by Jim Courier and Mark Petchy. They have a plan to speed up the game. Plus, Naomi Osaka didn't come to the desert, but see where the former Indian Wells champion has found her oasis. You're watching TC Live at the BNP Paribas Open. Tennis Channel Live at the BNP Paribas Open is presented by Verbo. Your together awaits. Back on TC Live, presented by VerboTennis.com. More than just a website, it's your home for the entire sport. Get breaking news, real-time match scores, player profiles, and much, much more. Right now, Matt Fitzgerald writes about this year's six candidates for the International Tennis Hall of Fame. With our Hall of Fame forecast, here's Fox Weather. I'm meteorologist Britta Merwin, and here's your BMP Paribas Open Weather Forecast. You have to love Southern California. 82 degrees, bright sunshine, warm and dry all day long. For more information, go to foxweather.com. Precise, personal, powerful Fox Weather coming October 25th. You do have to love Southern California. James will agree. Two of the four that live here. Uh, a reminder of our coverage daily. We've got TC Live, 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, special championship weekend. Tennis Channel has you covered first ball to last. Men's quarterfinals, 2 p.m. Eastern. And the night session has the women's semis back-to-back -back starting at 9 Eastern. Encore coverage all night long leading into TC Live the next day. When we come back, our experts debate whether Naomi Osaka will be the favorite to defend her title in Australia. Top of the hour, it's Diego Schwartzman, Cam Nori. Don't go anywhere. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Jeannie James, Andy Steve back on TC Live presented by Verbo. While her peers are playing in the desert, Naomi Osaka is living her best life by the sea, the Mediterranean to be specific. Osaka posting some photos from Greece on her Instagram. John Wertheim discusses the four-time major champ in today's edition of Unstrung. Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka's great breakthrough, her Hello World moment. Six months before she won the 2018 U.S. Open, she took her first tournament title at the BNP Paribas Open. Her surpassing tennis was on full display. Power, athleticism, and accuracy braided flawlessly. She beat a half dozen players, including Simona Halep, then the world's number one ranked player, 6-3-6-0, on route to winning her first pro tournament. That week, Naomi Osaka also offered a glimpse of her social discomfort in the spotlight. Looking back, it was a vivid glimpse of what was to come. Osaka would win relentlessly, especially on hard courts. Four majors now, in counting, two in New York and two in Australia. She would become the world's number one ranked player, barely touchable when at her best. With that, she'd become not just a towering figure inside the sport, but a global celebrity called to light the Olympic flame. 
And with that, she would, by her own admission, struggle with some of the public-facing responsibilities and pressures. If Naomi Osaka has emerged as a star, she's also revealed herself to be deeply complex. Strong and powerful and confident, and again, by her own admission, sometimes vulnerable and filled with doubt. That was really sad that Willing to use her considerable megaphone, promoting both causes and products, and also reluctant to be a public figure. Happy to put herself out there, except when she is not. This same lack of predictability can inform her tennis. Since winning the 2021 Australian Open, she's taken no other titles. I think I'm going to take a break from playing for a while. After her third round defeat at the U.S. Open, she announced she was taking a second leave of absence from tennis until it could be more of a source of happiness and fulfillment. But happily, Osaka has suggested that her motivation is returning. And provided she is comfortable, you would like to think that the odds are good she'll be back in the desert in 2022. It would mark four years since that first title. But it sometimes seems that a lifetime, an immeasurable ocean of time, has elapsed for her since then. John Wertheim reporting. Uh, World Mental Health Day was on Sunday, and Osaka has really taken that conversation to the mainstream, showing that athletes are human, just like anyone else. These issues can affect anyone. I don't know that without her, we are having these important conversations. James, what do you think? Yeah, I think she's absolutely taken it to a, a different level. I think um, Andy and I's good friend Marty Fish talked about this and I think made a big difference in letting people open up about it. And she just has that bigger megaphone. She has this platform and uh, she's able to use it for mental health. She used it uh, amidst the George Floyd uh, unrest, racial unrest last year during the summer. And um, I think she then realized the power that she has when she shut down the tour for a day, when she decided she wasn't going to play and the entire tour shut down because of that. I think as a fan, that was staggering to me, the amount of power. So I could only imagine the amount of power she felt when she could have that kind of an effect and wanting to use it for a positive change and using it for mental health, I think, is uh, hopefully going to be a great cause and make a difference in a lot of people's lives, not just as a tennis player. Look, if she feels like she needs to take a break for mental health, I mean, who are we to judge? I think good for her. She's in Greece right now, and uh, if she needs that, then that's what she needs to do. Tennis has a lot of pros and cons. It's an individual sport, so you have the freedom to do what you want. Um, and so she can decide to do that. She doesn't have a salary like a team sport where you have to be in a certain place at a certain time. And so she's taking advantage of that. And, you know, I've... Um, Experience. I've had tough times too. I've experienced really lots of negative questions from the press, but this was five or six years ago and it was less socially acceptable to talk about mental health and taking a break for mental health would have been considered like weak uh, and not strong as an athlete. So the fact that we can talk about it now and it's much more in the open, times have changed for the better on this issue. Oh, we've seen Simone Biles talk about it. We've seen Michael Phelps talk about it. Obviously that amazing documentary that, that Marty Fish uh, has put out on Netflix. Uh, Andy, if she goes to Melbourne, Naomi Osaka will be the defending champion at the Australian Open. Where do you rank her in terms of the favorites? Depends on where her, her headspace is, Steve. Um, if she's motivated. And also, she, this is all a learning process, right? Because I hear people say, well, you know, how, you know, she's posting things on Instagram, but she doesn't want to do press. Those are different things. Like, there's nothing I hated more than doing, like, a photo shoot. Right. It felt just tedious. I didn't want to do it. But like being in front of a mic and actually having a conversation didn't stress me out at all. Right. So it's just different things for different people. She is going to have to take ownership over her time a little bit because it seems like when she's not in front of us playing tennis, there's a lot of time being taken behind the scenes with documentaries and with sponsorships and with Met Galas and with and she's going to need to decide if that stuff is worth it at the expense of, of tennis, right? If, she, if we have like a time pie of, I want to commit this, this much time uh, front facing, she's going to have to get, uh, you know, figure out what that balance is. And we all learn in real time, right? You have to experience it to have a better knowledge of it. And we need to be patient with her. She should be able to take whatever time she needs. What business of it is ours? I just hope she gets back on the court, kind of finds her balance between you know, the work life and the phenomenon she's become and the tennis player that she is first and foremost. Uh, I look forward to her being back, being engaged and uh, dominating on tour again. 
I totally agree with that. I mean, I think she needs to decide what her priorities are. And right now that's taking a break and doing a lot of off-court stuff. I do think, however, some critics would say that the off-court stuff, it's a bit hypocritical in the sense of her not wanting to do press, but being on the cover of magazines. And they are different things, but she's still putting herself out there and kind of maybe even setting herself up for more negative comments and more negative criticism. So if she's okay with that and she can handle that, I know that's hard to read on social media as well for myself and a lot of the other players. Um, that's an aspect to think about as well. Yeah, and I, I think, like Andy said, is uh, we're seeing this happen in real time. We're, we're seeing someone grow up in front of the spotlight. And, you know, I think back to when I was that age, when Andy was that age, when we were young, growing up in front of a camera, is very difficult. She's learning all this stuff on her own as well. And so I always would plead empathy to, to, to think about what it would be like to grow up um, and have this fame and have your fame change. You know, it, day by day, it's changing, and you have to navigate that. And you have to do it with the grace uh, and dignity on uh, on camera doing it it's not it's not the easiest situation in the world and I know a lot of people want to say but she's getting paid handsomely for it and she is but and we all know money doesn't buy happiness and she can she can figure out mental health and she can figure out all these things uh, regardless of the money yeah one of the things that I, I want to be like super clear about at least from where I sit is mental health doesn't mean mental toughness right you're going to sit here and tell me Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka when they get into their uh, preferred arenas aren't mentally tough, give me a break, right? Like, okay, so mental tough, mental toughness is me sitting there at a press conference and being good at it. That's not mental toughness. Going, you know, the distance in matches, closing out Grand Slam events, winning gold medals, you know, when all of the pressure is on, that's mental toughness. It's not a synonym for mental health. Let's be very clear about that. Yeah, no, absolutely, Andy. Uh, you said she is a phenomenon. She is phenomenal on the court. We want to see her back on the court. Instagram is not reality, and we do need to plead empathy and let her take her time. Live in her best life. Uh, Sloane Stevens just commented on this Instagram post, live your best life, mama. <laughs> Naomi Osaka is in Greece. She's having a great time. We hope to see her back on the court soon. We will be back with you on TC Live after this. Welcome back to TC Live, presented by Verbo. In the desert, quarterfinals underway today. Top of the hour, we've got some good ones. A couple of men's matches. Cam Norrie taking on Diego Schwartzman. Grigor Dimitrov coming off that massive upset against Daniil Medvedev. We'll battle Hubie Hercotch, who made the quarterfinals here a couple of years ago. And on the women's side, two spots remain for the semifinals. Angebur. Going to make her debut in the top 10 next week, taking on Annette Contivate. And then Angelique Kerber, former world number one, taking on Paula Bedosa, having the season of her life. Time now for Tennis Topics, presented by Verbo. Got some friends with me on the Tennis Channel desk, Mark Petchy, Hall of Famer Jim Courier. And we're going to talk right now about potentially speeding up the game of tennis, making it Maybe more desirable for television. Some folks may say, I like tennis the way it is. But, Pets, you've got some new suggestions that may speed up the game a little bit. Yeah, I think the premise for me is just, you know, trying to keep everything intact as best we can because I love the historical value that you can attach to, obviously, great champions and what they've done. So I don't want to change the game completely, but I do believe there's too much dead air in the sport and there is a way of getting things a little bit more entertaining for the fans and try and get the younger generation involved. And certainly one of those things, Jim, that has been talked about throughout the summer, bathroom breaks. Uh, oh, yes. Those. <laughs> How long should we take to either go to the bathroom, change our clothes? This was brought to light with Stefano Tsitsipas taking some extended bathroom breaks. Uh, some have come out to defend him. Others have ridiculed him both online and on court. Jim, what do you make of this? Well, there's a couple of, of angles to this. I mean, I think just big picture what we've seen in probably the last 15, 20 years, more players, when they lose a set, taking a bathroom break. And it may not be for an extended period of time, but it's largely seen by those of us outside looking in as a way to try and shift momentum and not necessarily a verifiable bathroom break. So we, we obviously saw some problems this summer with, with Zverev and Tsitsipas. Zverev accusing uh, Stefanos of using it as an opportunity to be coached. That 
that's unverified as well. But what is certainly known is that he took a lot of time, and it aggravated not only Zverev, but also Andy Murray at the U.S. Open. But I think we have to be clear. You have to set limits on, on the players as far as how long they can be in the bathroom. You have to also be mindful of how long it takes them to get to the bathroom and start the clock then. I do think you will need separate rules. If you do implement a time clock on that, you'll need separate rules to say this is how long you have for a bathroom break. If it's a bathroom break and you need to change because it's incredibly humid and you need to change your shorts and, and your underwear and your socks and shoes, they're going to have to give them a little more room for that. So it's not a straight line of, hey, it's going to be two minutes period you've got to have a little bit of wiggle room for it but an effort to try and at least give the players a sense of urgency which is probably what's needed and Steph's written a letter to the ATP so he's gone and asked them to define how much time they should have I know a lot of the tournaments as well are going to actually ultimately do the walk from where it is to the bathroom and then basically on individual courts say center court at Wimbledon you're going to get given three minutes if it's a longer walk you're going to get five minutes there's no question that change is coming in terms of the bathroom break I mean talking to Martina yesterday she was saying that not only once in her entire career did she take a bathroom break I mean it is something that has come into the sport with greater frequency in the last few years and we need to didn't realize we, she was a camel that's amazing <laughs> incredible it is something we need to stamp out or at least have a, a clear-cut rule yeah to, to be clear Steph did not break any rules because there is no time limit right now and we'll see whether it's five minutes seven minutes or, or variable depending on what court and how long it takes to get to said bathroom uh, another idea Petch that you have no ad scoring we've seen it in doubles do you think it should come into singles play? I, I personally am not a fan of the, the no ad. I loved watching Cam Norrie yesterday in the massive game at the start of the third against Tommy Paul. 11 break points it took him to actually finally get the break of serve. And I love how those kind of games develop and then it takes chances, chances come, chances go. I like the ebb and flow of that, to be honest. So I'm not a massive fan of no ad. What I am a fan of is taking dead air out of the sport. And one way I think that we can actually do it is to have a different amount of time between points depending on the length of rally. Now, 70% of tennis is played between naught and four shots. And I think that that's the area that we can really shorten things down. Um, you can therefore go to 15 seconds, if you like, on the on the naught to on on the naught to four. We can also go to 25 seconds from five to eight. And the reality is, I love long rallies, as I'm sure Jim Courier did in his wins at Roland Garros. He likes to take the legs away about from opponents. But 30 seconds, I'm happy to give you even longer after you've played an epic rally, so that you can re recover. But if 70% of the sport is played between naught and four, if you take 10 seconds out, and we know the shot clock has slowed the sport down, that's a considerable amount of time that you can save in a match for people that's a really interesting point all all of it's really interesting the last point that you made is one that we often bring up in commentary is that with the players now seeing the serve clock they know how much time that they have they're actually playing longer they're taking more time because they know they have more before they had to guess so you know what you're suggesting obviously we need to have serve clocks on all the courts so players would know Going back to your first point on the no-ad scoring, also not a huge fan of it, but if at the, the very high levels it's ever decided that, that these matches are too long and we need some certainty, we know from what they've done in doubles with no-ad scoring and with a 10-point breaker for in lieu of a third set that you can really condense these matches. and you can, you can take away the infinite opportunity to play forever in tennis because as long as you have deuce-ad scoring, there is no finish to tennis. You could literally play one game forever. <laughs> so if that's what you're trying to really do, that's really the way you're going to have to go. You're going to have to give something definite to end these things. The rest of it's a bit of a Band-Aid. Don't get me wrong. There, there are some things that are necessary. But if you're trying to say, hey, we want these matches to be no more than two hours, that's how you get there. Although, you know, obviously you could play a point forever, too, if we want to go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, that, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jim makes a great point. I mean, there's no question that trying to have some certainty in the sport um, is a good thing. Having said that, when I've commentated on a lot of the doubles matches, even with the no ad and the and the ten point tiebreakers, I've still been on commentary for over two hours, which makes that. I still feel a little bit too long in terms of the outcome. Two hours of Petchy probably is too long. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You can have the final word as a legend. <laughs> that, that, that's a gym problem. Uh, so, you know, listen, I, we, we talk in the United States uh, about, we call it soccer, football. You know, we don't like draws in tennis. Something special about our sport that, as Jim points out, it could ostensibly go forever. Yep. And that's kind of cool. It separates our sport from others. 
The ideas are fantastic. Everything you can get better at. And uh, we'll see if the sport implements some of this stuff. Thanks for joining us on TC Live today. A lot more to get to on the show as we lead up to first ball here. The quarterfinals at Indian Wells, our DraftKings player pools previews, a stat of the day you don't want to miss, and Andy Roddick gets another rap song to rate. Yes, indeed. We'll be right back. Back on TC Live, presented by Verbo, Bouchard, Roddick, Blake, Weissman, of course, our coverage of the Nito ATP Finals first ball to last here on Tennis Channel begins Sunday, November 14th from Italy. First time in Turin, Italy, likely to be at least one, if not two Italians there. Let's take a look at the ATP race to Turin right now. Four spots still remain, so only four are locked in. Djokovic, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev. And we've got some guys in action today that still have opportunities. Diego Schwartzman is 16 on the list. Cam Norrie is 13 on the list. Hubie Hurkacz right now at number nine, but Rafa Nadal at eight is done for the year. So Hubie has a spot right now to make his first ATP Finals appearance. Andy, I know this is such a big deal for the players, and there's a lot of points remaining. I mean, we've got the Masters 1000 in Paris as, as well as the 500 left. Yeah, a lot can change if someone goes on a, on a bit of a heater, especially because you never know who's going to be healthy at the, at the end of the year. There's normally one or two pullouts in this thing, uh, so it's wide open. But credit to Hubie Hercotch because I don't know that he would have been on anyone's short list at the beginning of the year uh, for people who were kind of locked in. He gets through this match today, maybe adds another one, and it's almost all but done for him. Yeah, like to see that. Let's take a look at some of the highlights from last night. Sasha Zverev, he is locked in to the ATP Finals. Taking on Gal Monfils. Zverev won his first career match against Andy Murray here. And looking to check off another box, Andy. First career win over Gal Monfils. Yeah, as our good friend Fred Durst would say, this is just rolling, 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 rolling. Uh, you know, Zverev just kind of went right through him. You know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of pushback from Monfils. Uh, you know, even even this ball, normally we see Monfils get up and out of his shoes. Like, like I might have actually jumped higher than that at points in my career, which is embarrassing. But, uh, you know, Zverev is just playing so well, so confidently. So confidently. Uh, as I said yesterday, he doesn't have those peaks and valleys where you're worried about him throwing in three doubles or the forehand getting a little too much height on it, playing too much defense. He's happy stepping into the court right now. Even a ball like that where he's just laying it off down the line, keeping himself out of trouble. You can see his kind of maturation process just in real time. It's He's, he's playing great stuff. He did it all for the Nito. Sasha Zverev moving in <laughs> to the next round. How about Stefano Tsitsipas? That, that was for you, Andy. Uh, second seed overcame 40 unforced errors. I mean, this was a battle against Alex Dimonor, James. Yeah, and Dimonor forces unforced errors just by getting ball after ball, making you hit another ball each time. And he, his wheels are, are almost second to none out here on tour. And, um, you know, Stefano Tsitsipas struggled with that a little early. Like I said, there's just more and more unforced errors. But he, got it. he did get it rolling. I mean, I'm not personally good friends with Fred Durst, like apparently Andy Roddick is, but he did get it rolling here in the third set. And it actually looked like Demonar struggled a little physically. Like He, he kind of pulled up once or twice as if he might have been cramping. And, you know, this was a, a physical matchup. There, there wasn't the, the wins to deal with. There wasn't the sun, but just the amount of running that Demonor was forced to do okay. from, uh, from Tsitsipas putting the pressure on all the time seemed to take a toll on him. Tsitsipas... Getting into the quarterfinals for the first time here at Indian Wells. For Eugenie, oh, we won't go Fred Durst, but uh, Diego Schwartzman, 0-100 to 100 real quick uh, against Casper Ruud. Yes, Schwartzman playing great tennis right now. He had uh, an okay season by his standards, but uh, playing really well at the end of the year here in Indian Wells. He's actually still in contention to go to Turin. He's 16 on the list, 15 without uh, Rafa. And so a big run here could mean a lot for him. Rude has played a lot of matches this year as well and won so many of them. So I'm wondering if he's ran out of gas because it's the end of the season. You start to see that a lot where people hit these kind of mental or physical, uh, you know, roadblocks, so to speak. So um, 
good win for Schwartzman. Listen, Jim Courier said during the broadcast, Jeannie, this is the best he's seen Diego play on a hard court all year. That's right. He's an Argentinian clay quarter, but we have the gritty surface of Indian Wells, yeah, so it's a little similar, and it helps Schwartzman's game of uh, being that grinder at the back of the court. But we also see him step up and, and take some cuts at some balls here and be aggressive, and so it's uh, nice to see that variety. Yeah, yeah. yeah told me after the match, she... Part of the strategy was coming forward, finishing some points at the net. Straight sets. Diego Schwartzman, six Masters 1000. Quarterfinal, a peque moving on here at Indian Wells. Take a look at this draw. The final eight is set, James. What do you like? I love that Cam Norrie Diego Schwartzman matchup just because I, I, I can sympathize with both of them. They're both in that running for that eighth or ninth spot uh, getting into Turin. And each one of these matches means so much to them. These are two guys that, that compete so well, point in, point out. Love to see that match and all the pressure on, on both of them. All right, that is what we are leading up to. Top of the hour right here on Tennis Channel. Brett Haber and Jim Courier will have the call. More TC Live after this. DraftKings Player Pools previews. I think Jeannie went 0 for 3 yesterday. I did. We'll, we'll but clarify I'm do better that. Today. <laughs> Tennis Channel Live at the BNP Paribas Open is brought to you in part by DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Daily Fantasy, sports betting, and free-to-play pools. All customers can compete for their share of $30,000 in prizes all tournament long. Use code ACE when you sign up today. Buy Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And buy Marcus by Goldman Sachs. You can money with Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Back on TC Live, presented by Verbo, Steve, Jeannie, James, Andy. We are leading up to these matches. All quarterfinals on Thursday. Schwartzman Nori, followed by Herkac and Dimitrov. And then the ladies plan to make the semifinals. Two spots remain. Contivate, Jabur, Bedosa, and Kerber. What a lineup we have for you today. A reminder to download any of the DraftKings apps. Enter their free-to-play pools every day of the tournament. All customers can compete for a shot at $30,000 in total prizes. Answer questions like who will win the match or who will have the most aces and use that code ACE when you sign up today. Time now for our DraftKings Player Pools Previews. And uh, how did we do yesterday? <laughs> I went 0 for 3. James? I think 1 for 3. Andy? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm I, 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 hopefully not 0 for 3. <laughs> I hope not that. You didn't go 0 for 3. You didn't go 0 for 3. All right, we got three new subjects today. Let's start with Paula Bedosa and Angie Kerber. Jeannie, it's going to be an over-under 21 and a half games. I'm going over. Yesterday I went under on a couple of them, and all the matches turned out tougher than we expected, especially now we're into the late stages of the tournament. This is going to be a battle, so over. Over. James? Yeah, I mean, even though she went 0 for 3 yesterday, I'm still going to agree with her. I think this <laughs> one's going over. Um, I like this one being a battle, maybe a three-setter. We're going 3 for 3. I'm going over. Uh, even One close set covers this. you got to figure Angie Kerber is going to grind. She plays a lot of long matches. Bedosa's been incredibly in form, uh, but nothing's going to be easy for her. This is over. All right, uh, first matchup between those two. Kerber, former runner-up here. Meantime, the fourth meeting between Annette Contivate and Angebur. In fact, this is a rematch. They just played in Cincy, and it went three sets. I'm giving you that nugget, Jeannie, over under 21 and a half. Thank you for the nugget, Steve, but I was still going to go over okay. before you even <laughs> said that. Again, we're, this is such a battle at the late stages of the tournament. We've got Jabur and Contivite who are going to like not give any any of their opponents anything. Like Every game is going to be a battle, two contrasting game styles, but I think that's why it'll go the distance. I wanted to go over and agree with you, but this time I think I'm going to go under. I think Contivate is just so confident right now. I think she might get through this in straight sets. Wow. Ooh, I'm going to agree, kind of. It's going under, but it's going to be for Jabor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Going to be the first Arab player, man or woman, to break into the top 10 in the world. Uh, congrats to Angebur. Oh. And finally, we're going a little dubs action here for our last one. It is Fabio Fonini, Lorenzo Sanego, the Italians, taking on the former Roland Garros champs in Marcelo Mello and Ivan Dodig. Who wins this match, Jeannie? So... I feel like this is very dependent on Fognini's state of mind. If I'm allowed to like run out to the player restaurant and talk to him and just see where he's at, <laughs> I can come back with a good answer. So 
Seeing that he's out of singles, I would say Dodig Mello. Dodig Mello. All right, James. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dodig Mello as well. They're much more accomplished as a team, Grand Slam champion. Um, Mello's got some of the best hands. He's a really big guy, big serve as well. And I just think they're going to uh, they're going to be a little too uh, too polished for Fonini and Sanego. Andy? All right, hold on. Hold on. Uh, Dodig Mello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the, the the former Roland Garros champions, Dodig and Mello, uh, real G's move in silence like Fonini. Time to enter the social net here on TC Live. It's Jeannie's favorite segment, so we're gonna we're gonna have you we're gonna have you break down our first our first uh, tweet here as we have some new entrants for the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Some new candidates that will be voted upon. Ani Ivanovich, Flavia Panetta, Kara Black, Lisa Raymond, Juan Carlos Ferrero, Carlos Moya. What do you make of these candidates, Jeannie? Uh, a great group of players, obviously. What I do think is interesting, and we were talking about before the show, is just the criteria for the Hall of Fame. Um, obviously, there's the results aspect, but there is a little bit of an aspect of the impact they had on the game, possibly a bit of popularity contest going on. So, um, you have to factor in a lot of things. James crunched all the numbers this morning, so we're going to actually refer to him yeah. on all the statistics because he did all the research. Well, I wanted to see because I, I kind of figured my, my first thought off the top of my head was Ana Ivanovich and Juan Carlos Ferrero probably had the most successful careers, and it turns out they're basically almost exactly the same player. 479 <laughs> wins for Ferrero, 480 wins for Ivanovich. Two finals in slams, one win each for both of them, and 15 titles for Ivanovich, 16 titles for Ferrero. The one that I I didn't expect to be my front runner for who's the most deserving this year is Carlos Moya with almost 100 more wins on tour than both of them at 575 wins and 20 titles. He won the Grand Slam, Roland Garros. He made the finals of, of Australia and also won Davis Cup. Ferrero also has three Davis Cup titles as well. But I, I'm going to say Carlos Moya here. And I just, I, it is a great group, but uh, we can defer now to uh, a voter and someone that, I mean, although he did call it a popularity contest, popularity contest. I don't know how Andy Rada got in, but he, he, he's in, so he's got a vote. Here we go. Uh, I mean, the, the, this is very obvious. Flavia Panetta gets in because she's stayed married to Fabio Fognini. That's an accomplishment in itself. I think that's Hall of Fame worth. That's phenomenal. Um, but I, actually, before before James reeled off this, I think I think total number of wins matters. I think total number of, of, uh, of tournaments won matters. Uh, you know, we kind of only focus on on slams a lot of times in this scenario, but Moya was out there for a long time, and his uh, kind of side stats uh, far outpace uh, the, the the rest of the field. So I would have gone with Moya as well. All right, uh, we All shall right. see what happens. Either way, it is such an honor to be nominated to be a candidate for the International Tennis Hall of Fame. We've got our Hall of Famer Andy Roddick with us, and we're going to have Anna Ivanovich on TC Live on Saturday. She'll be one of our guests here as we are leading you up to our first quarterfinal of the day this Thursday. Is it a toss-up like this? Diego Schwartzman in action at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. Back on TC Live, presented by Verbo. Final segment of the show today, and our stat of the day. I didn't know this going into the day. Steph Sitsipas is absolutely crushing it. 14 quarterfinals? Amazing year. That is incredible. I, I would not have known that either, but you learn something on TC Live every day. I learned something <laughs> from you, Steve. I learned something from Andy. He's friends with Fred Durst. I didn't know these things. I, I did not know that either. Uh, Jeannie, we, we've got Cam Nori, who's still in it. We've got... Alexander Zverev, who's still in it. And guess what we have? We have another rap for Andy Roddick to rate. <sighs> Roll it. I need a baddie like Teeny. Yeah, real girl with the lay work. Yeah, or she a baddie like Teeny. Yeah, bossed up with a net worth. Yeah, okay, forehand, backhand, she rough with it, big talk, big game, she tough with it, critics, watch me, go and get it, if it's real, well, if it's raw, then I'm proud to sell it, double up, put your money where your mouth is, I want a good life, a couple big houses, big bank, stress free with the bad one in the hills. Hey, listen, I got a lot of respect for someone shooting their shot, uh, I can safely say instead of the rest of us, <laughs> 
But I, I, I'm more interested in Jeannie's reaction here. Jeannie, what is going through your mind right now? He, he took a shot here. Respect for that. I am so embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm of two minds. This is in one way, like, amazing, but in another way, so cringy. But I just like hearing tennis being rapped about. He's like, you know, you hit those big shots. Like, I think that's cool for tennis. Forehand, backhand. <laughs> so we're going to just shift it to the fact that he's talking about tennis and not talking about Jeannie Bouchard. He's like, oh, okay, we'll go yeah. that way. Really, really just talking I, I about gotta, forehands and backhands. Well, I got to tell you one thing. There's no way uh, Murray would have ever rhymed legwork with net worth like this guy did. So props <laughs> to him. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that- is this a real shot? Do I really take this into consideration? What do I do, guys? Give, him a give me advice. Give him a yes. call. I mean, yeah. Yes. And he says we, yes without all... any hesitation. Yeah, we get him as a guest yeah, on no, here. Yeah. Sitting right, sitting <laughs> that, that's what we need. Give we need to get him on here. To have him here sitting next to Jeannie. I, I'm not, Jeannie, I'm not saying it's great for you, but I'm saying it's great for the show. So just be a team player here. You can give, <laughs> you can give, 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 give a shout on Twitter, baby. I got it. I got to play along. I got it. Anything for the show, Andy. I like your mind. <laughs> <laughs> the only one of the four of us to have a song uh, title, the, the name. Yeah. Uh, Jeannie Steve's Bouchard. jealous. I know. Yeah. Now she was asking the other day, is like, what, what's she doing with her life? What are we doing with our life? Exactly. Exactly. Us. What are we doing? Uh, Diego Schwartzman getting ready to take on Cam Nori. W- what's going through your mind, Andy, as you are walking to the golf cart, getting ready to be taken to Stadium One? Uh, you know, it's that awkward moment. Who's going to sit in the front? Who's going to sit in the back? You know, stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> you don't want to awkwardly, yeah, I see that nodding. It's true. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yep. Listen, you're, everything, everything's baked in. Your, your preparations have been made. At this point, you want to get there and just start sweating a little bit, let the nerves out a little bit. Uh, you know, you, don't you dare look at me. I don't want to make eye contact with anyone. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get to the office and do what we do. They, they took the opposite seats there. So Cam facing the back, Diego facing forward. Hey, Jeannie, we were talking about this yesterday. This is not normal at tournaments that this happens. It's not typical. You're right <laughs> before the match, and you're in such close proximity to one another. I always made sure to not be the one facing backwards. I felt like that threw me off. Like my brain was like seeing, you know, the back as I was moving forwards. I, I wanted to be like focused, and so I had to always sit facing forward. Oh, I, I liked being in the back. You get a little more leg room. I noticed Diego took the front. There's, you know, you get a little cramp there. I mean, littler guy. It's, Come on. it's easier for him. I like being in the back. You can, you can, uh, yeah, you can spread your legs out a little more. Same thing on a train. Got I it. never want to be facing the wrong way that the train's going. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, I actually didn't think where I sat on the golf cart had anything to do with the match. It was going to play no part in it. <laughs> it does, Andy. Look, it does. Look, Diego's—he's a little scrunched up there. I, I like being in the back there. You, you know, something you don't hear very often. Yeah, <laughs> uh, James. What are you, what are your two big keys for this matchup? I think it's going to be how they handle the pressure. Both of them looking to to have the possibility of qualifying for Turin. Um, Cam Nori, I think, uh, might have a little bit more pressure. Schwartzman has been in these situations a little bit more, and he's. Uh, it, he's kind of salvaging his year at this point. We expected him a lot more so than Cam Nori to have a, have a much better year. So I think Diego Schwartzman's um, – I'm going to take him in this one, but I think it's going to be who handles the pressure better. What do you think, Jeannie? I think actually riding off of that, maybe Nori has less pressure because he's never been to such a big stage at the quarterfinals. So I think he's going to be loose and kind of go for it, kind of have nothing to lose, potentially have a chance to make the, the year-end finals. It's more like upside, I think, than anything else. So I like his lefty game also on this surface. So at least one of us will win, James. <laughs> yeah, one, one has to be right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, listen, Schwartzman is not going to get better conditions on a hard court than here in Indian Wells this week. And I thought Jeannie actually made a great, great point uh, on air yesterday about him kind of getting that get-out-of-jail-free card against Cressy early in the tournament, fighting off some match point. Maybe he feels like it's house's money, but he looked great yesterday. I think I like Schwartzman also. All right, great stuff to the entire gang. Uh, Jeannie's last TC Live, but will be with us throughout the day. Andy, James, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank everybody for joining us today on TC Live when we come back. Schwartzman and Nori, we will head to the booth with Brett Haber and Jim Courier.